0: That ball you wanna take? That there's a mistake, Callahan. Callahan's a poser. Yeah, and what do you know that every scout and coach on Earth does not? I know he got sacked 12 times last year. No, it was 11, it was 11 times. Yeah, well, four of them were mine in one game. Yeah, I remember, I, I, I saw your highlight reel. I also remember that he beat you. Watch it again. Don't watch me, watch him. Watch me sack him four times in one game, then watch what
1: happens after. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into week number six of the BF War Room. My name is Steve Mathis. You can find me on Twitter at Judge Mathis, joined by Randy Hardman. You can find him on Twitter at Randy Hardman52. Uh, another week in college football, and Randy, you called it. You right off the bat, you said last yeah. week you you compared uh, Lane Kiffin heading into Alabama to the movie what was it Above the Rim? Is that what the name of the Above? Movie?
0: Yeah, it's Above the Rim. It's an old, uh, it's like yeah. a '90s movie. It's got Leon, the guy from Cool Runnings, Tupac. You know, <laughs> yeah. pretty
1: pretty much what you said was uh, Lane Kiffin was going to uh, be humbled this weekend or this past weekend. Sure enough, he was. Alabama over Ole Miss by 21 points. The other big game of the week, Georgia over Arkansas by 37 points. So the top two teams in college football have really uh, sort of just revealed themselves. I joke that the the Alabama and Georgia just rest up uh, for the national championship game. Who needs to have a college football playoff? Who needs them to play the rest of their schedule? These are clearly the best two teams in college football by a mile. Uh, Let's start with that Alabama game over Ole Miss. Uh, A humbling game for... Uh, the quarterback, Matt Corral. Um, my guy Jerion Ely, the running back that I have been beating the drum for. Nine carries for 16 yards, two catches for one yard. Um, you know, Bryce Young, Heisman favorite. It, he could be the best quarterback in the nation. He's only a freshman. Uh, he had some trouble from a cloudy pocket, but his statistics when he had a clean pocket were insane uh in that game against Oklahoma. And some of the other things that I noticed were Josh Job, the cornerback from Alabama. Went toe toe with Ontario Drummond, had himself a day. And Henry, I need to I need to figure out how to pronounce this name, but this is a guy who's rising up draft ports. I think he could end up being a first-round pick. Um Henry, he's a Tennessee transfer. Henry, it's either Tutu, Toto, something like that. It's T-O-O apostrophe. T-O-O. Henry Tutu from Alabama, six foot two, two hundred and thirty pounds. Guy looks like Matt Milano out there. Six foot two, two hundred and three pounds, 10 tackles, sideline to sideline guy. Uh, Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network says this dude is absolutely rising up draft boards. What were your some takeaways, some of your takeaways from that Alabama Old Miss game?
0: Well, I think what you what you see in that game is what happens when you have an established program uh, mm-hmm. versus an up-and-coming program that isn't quite there yet. And you know, that's one of the one of the biggest problems that you have in college is trying to figure out the disparity between talent levels because there's such a wide range amongst programs even in the sec where you have old miss which is you know a power five program but they're they're on the come up they're not established yet so i mean i i don't think it says a lot about old miss it just says enough it says a lot about alabama and where they are as a program which everybody should know by now every time somebody comes up to quote-unquote challenge alabama they seem to do this aside from what the only team that's been successful is clemson and that was like on and off for like four years Mm -hmm. right so yeah. yeah, I mean I like I said I saw it coming. Um I think George is the next best
1: shot. And um, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean their running back, Robinson for Alabama, he's not the most uh he doesn't have the most pedigree of some of those Alabama running backs, but he had himself a day against Ole Miss and he's having himself quite a year. So I mean Robinson's turning himself from maybe a late round draft pick into a middle round draft pick. Uh Jaleel Billingsley, uh the tight end, um, you know, John Mechie. Uh, I think John Mechie, and we're going to talk about a couple of wide receivers later on, like Traylon Burks and and Drake London. I think Mechie might be dropping. I mean, the dude's got some speed to him, and he caught a touchdown pass in this game too. Uh, But he's a little leaner for a wide receiver. So Alabama still has a ton of those prospects on both sides of the ball. Uh, Georgia and Arkansas, speaking of prospects, a 37-point absolute beatdown. Our poor Razorback fan, uh, Dawn Keith. uh, bad Bad day for her. Jordan Davis just keeps on rising and, and rising. I remember that I, I I took a screenshot of this. I was doing a TDN mock draft because it's the kind of sick, disgusting things that I do uh, in the middle of actual football season. And I got to Buffalo Bills pick. at picked number 30 on the TDN mock draft machine. And I had a Sophie's Choice between Jordan Davis, Tyler Linderbaum, and Darian Kennard. And that's one of the conversations I wanted to have today after I get your thoughts on Georgia versus Arkansas is a guy like Jordan Davis... We both love him. You know, a guy like Tyler Linderbaum, everybody in the world loves him. And, and Darian Kennard, you know, TDN has him ranked 13th overall. But these are guys at non positions that aren't as valued as high as other positions. Jordan Davis, you know, he's that one tech space eater, not so much a guy who's going to get the passer, even though he's improved at that this year. Tyler Linderbaum is a center that might not fit into every scheme because he's six foot three two ninety. And then you have Darian Kennard, who's a big road running, road grading guard who's held up fairly well, uh, but he's also a guard. So the Buffalo Bills could look out even if they're picking later on in the draft. And one of these guys, in, in my opinion, you know, I just mentioned Bryce Young might be the best football player in the country right now. It, it seems like every young, exciting player in college football is a freaking true freshman. Bryce Young, the running back from Auburn, the running back from Texas, the running back from Ohio State, all the young, exciting players, Um, you know, uh, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. All these young, exciting players are all true freshmen, true sophomore, not draft eligible. And the more and more I dive into this 2022 class, the weaker it seems to be. But still, when these guys aren't playing prime positions, the Buffalo Bills could could have a a a guy a stalwart player a guy who contributes right away and for a long time on their team drop to them in the late 20s 30s depending on where they're picking just because the positional value of what the Buffalo Bills need is not the positional value that typically goes early in the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, and um you know I was looking at uh, one of the one of the mock drafts on TDN that was done by one of their one of their uh, staffers and one of the things that stood out to me like we talked about before they had five quarterbacks going in the first round, I which don't. was going. To, I can't. Which see I, it. I don't see it. I mean, and one of them was a surprise to me. They had Carson Strong going in the first, and they didn't have uh, Desmond Ritter. Was was not. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you're looking at you know maybe six if somebody gets a wild hair, you know. And I I don't see it, and I mm-hmm. think that um, you know, that's the type of thing that you want to hope for because it's going to push somebody good down. It's going to be another meat and potatoes draft. I mean, mm-hmm. I think. What you saw last year with them doubling down on D-line and offensive line, you you might see something similar there. The one thing I would caution is that, um, you know, last year we didn't see the double-ups coming mm-hmm. so much. And, you know, there's a lot of talk of, you know, well, let Cody Ford settle in and everything. And I was one of them. So, you know, like stick him at one place and let him play. Well, you know, they're, they're already starting to shuffle that around. And so mm-hmm. I think uh, looking at, you know, wide receiver is a sneaky need. Maybe – Gabe Davis isn't as you know safe as we thought he was as being a a solid contributor after this year. They might be looking to upgrade there too, mm-hmm. uh, and keep him as that as that fourth receiver option. I mean, you don't we don't know, but uh, I I think there's you know a, a lot of uh, yeah. sneaky needs that we might have, yeah. and just a lot roster filling type things. I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to be looking to get five starters out of this draft.
1: Yeah, I mean, wide receiver is definitely something I want to have a conversation about at some point, whether it's this week or in the weeks to come, um, you know, one of my favorite receivers, Dante Demas, just had a season-ending injury. Oh, uh, was brutal for Dante Demas. Uh, But th- this is also, again, surprise, surprise. I was having this conversation with Bruce Nolan over at Buffalo Rumblings. Uh, uh, you know, these kids aren't growing up wanting to be running backs anymore because that's not where the money is. All these athletes are moving to quarterback and they're moving to wide receiver. And because that's where the money is and that's where the career longevity comes from. You don't take as many hits another loaded wide receiver class and this could be a position where buffalo emmanuel sanders last year of a contract cole beasley uh is getting up there in age isaiah mckenzie on an expiring and you mentioned gabriel davis he was only a fourth round pick if he turns out to be a career number four receiver who can catch, catch you catch six seven touchdowns a season out of that number four receiver role and be your 10 personnel guy that's not a bad that's not a bad investment for a fourth round pick so yeah. at the end of the day if, if that's even is his ceiling that's that 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 could be fine Obviously, you would like more than that, but at the end of the day, there we could have to 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 put some more ammunition to that wide receiver room this off season. Um, so that's actually the position group that I'm going to dig into next because I look at this draft and it's like the tight end class, stupid deep. Stu- Every week, there's a new tight end that pops up that people are talking about. Um, and the interior offensive line class, stupid deep. I really like the tackle class, even though we don't need a tackle uh, at least early. The edge class, it's a decent class for edge uh interior defensive line woof but the strength of this this draft interior offensive line wide receiver tight end cornerback and three of those four three of the three of those four are serious positions of of need for the buffalo bills so um and you just alluded to that sophie's choice there of of having no i took jordan davis because i i thought i could get guards and cornerbacks later i took jordan davis that's why I pulled the trigger on Jordan Davis when I did that. I didn't take Linderbaum, and I didn't take Kennard, who technically were higher-rated prospects on the TDN board. I went with Jordan Davis, who they're not as high on. They have him like 33rd or 34th, so technically they have him first or so, second pick in the second round. I, I took him. I took him. I don't know how so, – TDN doesn't update as much as some other websites do in the in the offseason, but yeah. uh, it, it it's uh, – I, I took Jordan Davis just because of how weak the defensive tackles are behind him because of how big of a need I think it might be for the Buffalo Bills. So
0: I have a different scenario for you because this happened when I was doing a mock draft a few days Mm. ago. All right. So Jordan Davis is off the board when it comes time for the bills to pick. Right. Yeah. But I have a choice between Linderbaum, Canard, Aquanu or sauce Gardner. Ooh. Did you take sauce?
1: Yeah. I would've taken sauce. Yeah. I I, I took Gardner. Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I just,
0: I was, I sat there and I thought about it. I'm like, man, You know, I, I I really, really, really want to get one of these, one of these premier interior guys, Mm -hmm. but I just, I can't look past the, the elite defender on the edge. I mean, you you think about having another bigger Trey white over there, Mm -hmm. you know, but maybe even better. We don't know, but, uh, you know, Uh, having
1: that guy out there, I was like, man, I can't pass it up. I'm looking at my corner. I'm looking at my cornerback, uh, spreadsheet here. And I mean, there are 18, 18 guys, um, probably 19 guys. If you throw man Hankins in there, who's been rising like crazy, who I can see going in the second or third round. I mean, you got Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, Kyrie Elam and Andrew Booth who are going to be gone before our pick. Stingley just uh, had surgery too. Yeah, he's done for the year. He's going to sit himself down. Uh, Trent McDuffie, who will probably be gone before our pick. Ma- Ahmad Gardner, who will probably be gone before our pick. But then you have Roger McCreary from Auburn, Derek Mason connection to Leslie Frazier there. You have Daxton Hill from Michigan, who not only plays slot corner, nickel corner, but he's also a split safety. So that's that's a guy towards the end of the first round, early second round, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a fan favorite sooner rather than later because Michigan's on an absolute heater. And Daxton Hill, uh, you, you know, the, I shared that clip on the BF War of him lighting people up. I've been uh, I I have the PFF Edge account, so I've been looking at his. Snap count. He plays in the boxes as a safety. He drops back into deep center as a safety, and he plays nickel corner. Those are all three positions which he splits equally in that Michigan defense. Hardly ever plays any boundary. Daxton Hill is gonna be a dude that we're gonna be talking about at the end of this first round as sort of just uh, a an uber flexible chess piece in that secondary. You know, we've been talking about those flex flexible chess pieces in the secondary for a while. Is he the big guy like Kyle Duggar or Jeremy Chin? No, he's only six foot one ninety two. What if Teron Johnson does head off in the offseason. Daxton Hill could be a guy. He could be a dude who can do a lot of things and then maybe eventually switch over to the safety spot. But Noah Daniels, Mikael Wright, Josh Joby, uh, Darion Kendrick, Kyler Gordon from Washington is another guy. You know, Washington, Washington has the second highest boundary corner grade in PFF only behind, only behind those Iowa guys who are going absolutely nuts.
0: What, they're pumping them out up there, aren't they? Washington yeah. and Oregon and Iowa. I
1: mean, they're what Kyler Gordon and, and Trent McDuffie are doing is pretty impressive as two boundary, boundary corners go. And Kyler Gordon is an athletic freak. I mean, six foot, 200 pounds. Like this dude's more of an athlete than even a guy like Trent McDuffie is. He's just not as refined. Um, and you saw the Buffalo Bills take sort of a gander at, um, at those kind of guys. Like they were looking at Tyson Campbell last year. And Kyler Gordon, I get Tyson Campbell vibes from 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 Kyler Gordon as maybe a, an athletic guy who's just not as refined. There's my guy Jermaine Waller. There's another guy who's going to slip in Taiwan Mullen because he's a slot corner only at his size, five foot ten, one eighty. But uh, you know, you also have, like I mentioned, Josh Thompson from Texas and Matt Hankins. There's going to be a ton of corners. I mean, the Buffalo Bills could wait until the second round and still get their hands on a very solid corner. Um, And there's gonna be a ton of them that go off the board in the top 60 ton, a ton of corners.
0: So, so let me ask you this. All right, let's take, let's take Davis off the board. He goes at 15 or 16, 18, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So you've got your top interior offensive lineman there. Let's say it's, let's say it's Kennard. Linderbaum is more of a center. He's off the table. So Mm -hmm. you got Kennard and Gardner there. Which, which one do you take? And then who do you hope is there in the second round at the, at the flip position? So if you take Uh, a lineman in the first, you're taking a corner in the second.
1: I I would take Sauce Gardner, and I would would hope that Thayer Munford was sitting there in the second round from Ohio State. I'm really high on Thayer Munford. I know Buffalo Buffalo scouts Ohio State a lot. Uh, I thought that was really selfless the way he gave up his left tackle spot to Petit Frere. Uh, Process. Moved moved into left guard. Uh, He's done extremely well there at left guard, and he's obviously got that versatility where he can kick out to tackle if you need him. I like Sean Ryan from UCLA as another guy, um, and uh, just looking through some of these guards that I have, I have Alex Lindstrom as more of a third rounder. Um, I'm starting. To, I'm starting to see some ch- some chinks in the armor there with Alex Lindstrom. Well, he, Boy, he had a out- bad game, didn't he? Yeah, he gets out leveraged. Defenders yeah. get under him, and he gets pushed back. And I have concerns about that. Um, but uh, Ed Ingram from LSU is a guy who's grown on me. Jamari Slayer from Georgia. Is a guy who's growing on me. Um, obviously, I like the I, Georgia kid. I've always been a big fan of Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame, even though again, I think that's more of a third rounder. Um, but it'll be interesting. I think Equanu, I think Linderbaum, Kennard, Kenyon Green, those are gonna be the first four off the board, in my opinion. And Equanu is probably more of a tackle. Uh, so if you're talking about interior offensive of linemen, the first three off the board, if you're not counting Equanu, it's gonna be Linderbaum, it's gonna be Kennard, it's gonna be Kenyon Green. And then after that, it's you're crossing your fingers and hope Thayer Munford sw- sl- like drops to you in the 60s, which we've seen historically, you know, the guards tend to slip a little bit. We, you know, it was it, it wasn't until uh, who who is that Wyatt Davis slipped this year further than a lot of people thought Wyatt Davis would slip. So you're going to get a possibly a guard who slips. I think Thayer Munford might be that guy. Um there's other guys who I'm not as high on, like Donovan West and Josh Revis from Kansas State. Um, there's some guys I still got to do some more work on. Uh, Zion Johnson is another guy uh, from Boston College I got to do some work on still. I know our guy Dean Kendig uh, from the Bills Mafia blog is really high on uh, uh Smith from Virginia Tech. So there are still some dudes I need to do some some work on. If, if we do decide to go canard, and I'm looking at cornerback here, um, I guess my hope would be a guy like Roger McCreary. Drops back into the second round, Mikael Wright from Oregon, hoping he's the second ra- round. That would be my pick. If
0: if I went Kennard first, I would hope that Wright would last.
1: You'd have you'd have a guy like Steviean Banks from Ohio State. You'd have a guy like Kyler Gordon. You'd have my guy Jermaine Waller. Um, now that I think about, it, there's probably more options at corner. Uh, <laughs> I, honestly, Matt Hankins is the big one because I know Pro Football Focus is super high on him, but they haven't put him into their top 100 yet. I wonder I have not actually checked to see what his year is. Maybe he's not draft eligible. Um No,
0: he's a senior I thought.
1: I'm I thought he was right now, super senior. He's a member of Kurt Ference's Yeah, he's a senior. So, Pro Football Focus has him as the number one ranked corner statistically. They've charted him as their number one corner and they don't have him in their top 100 yet. Uh so that's super interesting. I mean, him and him Here's a statistic here for Iowa and I was going to save this for when we break down the Iowa game. Here's a statistic from Matt Hankins and and Riley Moss this year. Combined, they have six interceptions. Combined, they've allowed six first downs on receptions. They have just as many interceptions as they have combined first downs allowed against them. I mean, they have charted off the roof on pro football focus. They are like a 95 or a 96. The The nearest, the closest boundary corner duo is Gordon and McDuffie from Washington at like 84. I mean, these guys are just absolutely off the charts, and that's why this Penn State-Purdue game, when they go up against a guy like Dotson, is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, now that I think about it, I'm, I am I might go for the blue-chip guard or the blue-chip defensive tackle um, before I would go for a corner because... You know, here's the thing. Sean McDermott, you want to to bash him for not drafting a corner earlier for thinking like, oh, he can just mold Levi Wallace, a UDFA, or Teron Johnson, a fourth-round pick, or Dane Jackson, a seventh-round pick, who probably could have been a fifth-round pick any other year. Um, I mean, I guess, why not give him a second-round pick? I mean, like, it's still not a bad investment, uh, a second-round pick in a corner. Uh, So, I mean, you're talking about filling out your
0: roster on both sides of the ball because you have so many – we're so we're, our team is so full of talent mm-hmm. that you have such limited opportunities to really improve a starting spot. Mm-hmm. Some of the rare places that we have where it's like, yes, we could upgrade there are that boundary corner CB two and interior offensive line. After that, you're kind of splitting hairs, nitpicking, you know, trying to create competition for positions that might be questionable, but and and creating depth. Yeah. But those are the two big ones. Yeah. That and that and the potential hole at wide receiver. I mean, other than that, we're pretty well solid for the next two to three years. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh looking at one more guy I want to talk about from that Georgia Arkansas game. And you can give me any final thoughts on that Georgia game if you want. There are names on that defense. Nolan Smith, you got Dean, you got Anderson, all these blue chip guys, Davis, along that that defensive front. A guy that's sort of sliding under the radar, especially in a weak defensive tackle class, is Devontae Wyatt. Six foot three. 315 pounds. He had uh one and a half sacks. And again, I was gonna I was gonna save this for the preview, but I'll 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 break out these statistics now. In that in that game against uh Arkansas, he had uh six tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. Uh Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network, pretty connected insider. I always love reading his stuff right before the draft. He has a lot of relationships with a lot of you know scouts, He's a lot great, of scouts. Yeah. A lot of scouts, he has a third round grade on Devontae Wyatt, or he had a third round grade coming into this season. And a lot of scouts were like, no, he's a he's a he's a late day three pick. Late day three pick. A Georgia defensive tackle, Devontae Wyatt, six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pounds, is a late day three pick. Um, he's a one-tech who can play like a three-tech. Like he has one tech size, but can play like a three-tech, and he's got just a relentless motor. And I think a lot of people think he's good because he's surrounded by all that talent, but he's a guy you could possibly get in the third or the fourth round who Maybe he isn't a product of that talent. Maybe he is just good in his own right. I I'm gonna keep my eye on Devontae Wyatt. I know it's it's hard for it's easy for him to get lost in the shuffle on that Georgia defense, but Devontae Wyatt is somebody I'm gonna have my eyes firmly planted on the rest of the season, especially with how weak this defensive tackle class is.
0: Yeah. And um, you know, to kind of cap off that uh, that Georgia Arkansas game, I thought um the Georgia Corners did a great job. Mm -hmm. kind of locking up um, Burke and and making sure that he didn't really get much of anything the entire day.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I, I'm blanking on his name, but I mean, he's a five-star recruit that one corner that they have. And then obviously it's Darion Kendrick uh, at the other side uh, of that three top 15 teams went down to unranked opponents, Florida. uh, It's gotta be Anthony Richardson time soon there. I was waiting for Dan Mullen to pull the plug. I don't know if Anthony Richardson is still hurt, but I was waiting for Dan Mullen to pull the plug on Emory Jones. He never did. Oregon, the Pac 12 continues to cannibalize itself. Uh, we're going to talk about Stanford a little bit because they're playing Arizona State on Friday night. That's the marquee game, I think, on Friday, even though it's going to be at like midnight, your guys' time, or 10 30 your guys' time. But Pac 12 officiating was brutal. I mean, Mikel Wright and uh, Bennett Jackson, all the corners for Oregon, where they were letting them play physical all game. And then last, you know, last series, Stanford gets the ball after a Kayvon Thibodeau t- targeting. Gets them down towards the goal line as time expires. uh, Tanner McGee, the quarterback for Stanford, throws up a lob. And Mikel Wright was just as handsy as he had been all game, but he got called for the defensive pass interference. Brings the game to overtime where Stanford wins. We literally saw a game in Oklahoma where Lincoln Riley challenged a play that he wasn't allowed to challenge. They challenged it anyway, and uh, they reversed a call in Oklahoma's favor. Uh, So you see what the Big 12 does to help teams like Oklahoma out. Uh, Oregon and the Pac-12, not so much. Uh, the Pac-12 continues to just cannibalize, absolutely cannibalize itself. Uh, Pac-12 is probably out of the discussions for the college football playoffs now. But uh, and then Texas I don't even want
0: to get started on on my rant about why they don't have professional referees in, in football, college <laughs> and pro. It's yeah. it's unacceptable to me. I'm yeah. not going to get into it. But anyway, sorry. Just,
1: just go listen to uh, Nick uh, Nick, uh, Nick or uh, yeah, no Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa will tell everyone exactly how he feels about uh, yeah. appreciating Texas A&M, uh, big old wolf. Um, they are 17 and a half point dog to Alabama and I don't bet college football. I might bet that game. I might take Bama with a 17 and a half point spread. Texas A&M is just absolutely anemic on offense. Uh, I know it's in Kyle field, but I think it was, who was it this week that was making fun of Kyle field and saying 12th man, my ass, I think it might've been Joel Klatt or, or no, it was Kirk Herbstreet. Kirk Herbstreet was just straight trolling A&M fans. Uh, so that was pretty funny. Cincinnati beats Notre Dame. Um, you know, it, there's a couple of players from that game I want to talk to you about. But obviously, huge win for the program. Luke Fickle, in my opinion, should be on every NFL team's radar. He's probably better than half the coaches in the National Football League right now. USC should have that man on the phone. Uh, Luke Fickle is a team builder. Uh, a lot of, I think, Sean McDermott parallels to the way he's created a culture. He's created a family atmosphere there uh, in Cincinnati. Players love playing for him. And Desmond Ritter, my, my question to you is like QB1 because we see – Sam Howell, Michael back because of how erratic he's been this year. Spencer Rattler, Michael back because of how erratic he's been this year. He you should. Got, you got Malik Willis. Uh, Keaton Slovis has fallen off the face of the planet. You have the guy from Nevada, Carson Strong. Like, if you look at this, Desmond Ritter, 6'5", 215 pounds. He made some NFL throws in that Notre Dame game. He also had some huge misses. He's an erratic downfield thrower, but he's got the arm to do it. Um he gives me Ryan Tannehill vibes. What are your thoughts on Desmond Ritter as possibly being, when all is said and done, QB one in this class, possibly?
0: I think it's I think it's a real possibility, and I think, um, I think he's going to fall in that Tannehill Josh Allen line of thinking where it's like, okay, this guy has all the tools that we want. He's big. He can stand up, put some more muscle, uh, some more muscle on his frame. He's got a big arm. He's got some mobility to him, but there's just some things that aren't quite as refined. How do we mold those edges? How do we round those edges off to get him to be you know, the player that we think he can be? If you have a team that's patient, that has the right game plan, it's probably the right pick to make making him the, the top guy overall. But if you're the Dolphins that took Ryan Tannehill originally and then stuck him with Adam Gase, it's the wrong thing to do. If you're the Jets that took Sam Darnold, it's the wrong thing to do because none of these guys coming out, in this class in particular are going to be, you know, the ultra polished guys. I think Coral is probably going to be the closest one to having the most polished because of his pedigree, but even him, I mean, he's got, he's got some problematic issues that he has to deal with himself. So I think Ritter could easily be the top guy in this class, but he's going to have to work for it. He's not going to walk. He's not going to walk through the season and be that guy.
1: Uh, We were talking about wide receivers earlier. And what really stuck out to me in that Cincinnati game, a guy that I started looking into because he had a big game, six catches, 144 yards, was Alec Pierce, who looked really good out there uh down the field. He's averaging 19.6 yards per reception this year, six foot three, 215 pounds. He had five for 86 in the touchdown versus Indiana. Tony Pauline just put him in his list of of rising prospects this week. Alec Pierce. Um, he expects to run a four-four at the combine. So this is a guy at 6'3", 215 who says that he expects to run a four, four when testing time comes along for the, the NFL scouting combine. I mean, I don't want to make too much of a parallel to it because they're both white, but I mean, that's some Cooper cup like shit right there at six, 215. that he looked like Cooper cup out there for Cincinnati. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the guy had himself a day and definitely raised some eyebrows. And if you're the Buffalo bills, you're a team that maybe is going to need to add another wide receiver to replace Emmanuel Sanders, a guy like Eric a- Alec Pierce, Late second round, third round, fourth round. That's probably the area in which he'll go. Uh, he could be a guy who could really stick out to you. Uh, and Jack Cohn looked awful for Notre Dame. Got benched. His time is probably done. Yeah. A name I kept hearing play after play after play, and it really sticks out to you. Kobe Bryant. That name really <laughs> stuck out to me. Uh, spelled differently. Spelled uh, K O K O uh, B K O L B Y. But Kobe Bryant was the name. Really, st- I kept hearing. Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, and I'm like, who is this guy? So I went and I did some some digging on Kobe Bryant, nickel cornerback from Cincinnati, six foot one, 200 pounds. He had seven tackles in that Notre Dame game, three pass breakups. He's got good size, he's physical, he's disciplined, and he's a nickelback. So a guy like Kobe Bryant could be a guy in that third, fourth round if you're looking to replace Teron Johnson with Teron Johnson, a fourth round pick with a fourth round pick. A guy like Kobe Bryant could be sitting on the board in the third or the fourth round, and that could be a, a name the Buffalo Bills consider uh, to replace Teron Johnson if they have to. Uh, he's a guy that really put his name on the radar against Notre Dame. Kobe Bryant had a huge day.
0: Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's interesting. You were talking about the receivers, and you know, the, you said the guy was six three. It seems just kind of taking a cursory look at things. That a lot of the um, a lot of the the top end of the receivers this year are on the the bigger side, mm-hmm. which is kind of bucking the trend of what we talked about a few weeks ago, where it was you know a lot of the receivers that have been coming out have been on the smaller side. So if you're the Bills and you're looking at okay, well we've got you know Diggs six foot, we got Manuel Sanders six foot, Cole Beasley sub six foot, you know, and the only other big guy that we have is Gabe Davis. If there's a higher end guy that's bigger this year, it might be a good time to take a swing on him. Add a little bit of size or, and physicality to that receiver front,
1: or it could drop a guy. Like, so if everyone gets so enamored with the size, a yeah. guy like a guy like John Mechie, who going into the year was going to be a top fifteen pick at like yep. six, at like six foot, you know, one ninety, a smaller speedster from Alabama. What if he slides down into the late twenties? A, a guy or the like-
0: guy, the other guy from Alabama, Johnson is another yeah. one. You know, mm-hmm. later round guy.
1: Yeah. So there, maybe, maybe that, maybe the um, people's you know love for these bigger wide receivers comes into play here uh and before we get to michigan because i want to have a conversation about michigan uh let's just since we're talking about wide receivers talk about drake london so i tweeted you know drake london he made an insane one-handed grab in that uh in that game against colorado he had himself another big game uh i was like is that mike evans or is that drake london and you said hey that's that's a lofty comp that is a lofty comp but reading matt miller stuff this week i just i just subscribed i just paid for the subscription to matt miller uh the draft scout Substack. um so i've been reading his articles and stuff and he has drake london as his number one wide receiver on the board total he has his best receiver going into the draft he says this is a kid who just doesn't lose those 50 50 balls he said he's been on the phone with uh personnel at usc and the personnel at usc are saying this dude is the next Mike Evans. They think he's going to run well at the combine. He's six foot five. He's 210 pounds. And like I said, Matt Miller, NFL draft scout, number one overall pick. So I was like 45 minutes ahead of the trend on that comp, but Drake London is rising and rising. Like he was a guy on like our first pod. I'm like, you know, if he's, if he's sitting there on the board at 30, cause he, that's could be around the area he's going. Buffalo bills should consider a, a jump ball artist like that. Uh, I, every mock I see now has him going 10 to 20. Uh, So this is a guy who just over the course of the last three weeks, absolutely blown up uh, and is having himself uh, a season. Yeah. And I think, you know, when it comes to a
0: guy like London, you know, what we've learned over the last several drafts, when it comes to these guys, few and far between do they come, uh, but when they do come along, there's a tendency to want to try and overthink it. Mm -hmm. Don't. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you have a guy that's big, that can run routes, that can you know get physical and body guys and win those jump balls, it can kind of do it all. If you got a five tool prospect that also happens to be six five, whatever it is Mike Evans is, mm. you know, there's there's no reason, and I'll go back to you know when we took Watkins over him, there's no reason why you should take a guy like Sammy Watkins over a Mike a Mike Evans. None. Mm. I didn't get it then. I still you you couldn't present an argument. That would that would justify that pick, because you're you're talking about a five tool prospect versus you know a three tool guy, but he might have better highlights. Mm-hmm. But the consistency day in and day out is what you're is what you're sacrificing. So I would I would be all for that.
1: Yeah. Last last uh, last uh, little bit here. Michigan, are they good? Uh, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, in my opinion, is the best player in college football right now. Like he doesn't, he might not have the statistics to back it up. He's only got four and a half sacks, fifteen tackles. Kind of hard for an edge rusher. But every single week, I come across an article from some draft person or some draft insider or some scout that's talking about how fucking good Aiden Hutchinson is, the edge from Michigan. He's going to be a top ten pick. He's already entered PFF's top five. I mean, this is a guy who six foot five, two sixty five. He almost came out last year, and I saw him in early mock drafts last year, mocked to the Buffalo in the mid twenties, and that's when he was six foot five, two eighty. That's a, this is a, the, what Aiden Hutchinson is now is what AJ Epinesa is now. He made the transformation in college, so AJ Epinesa made that weird transition between two eighty and two sixty five in the National Football League, missed out on a year. Aiden Hutchinson used COVID to become the two to go from two eighty five to two sixty five, and it's showing on the football field. He embarrassed Jackson Kirkland. Who's going to be a first or second round draft pick from the University of Washington? Embarrassed him in that game against Washington. He's got four and a half sacks. He dominates every single game that he plays. In my opinion, Aiden Hutchinson. I know he's going to be a top ten pick, probably. Uh, not a guy the Billful Bills will have a chance to get their hands on. So why are we talking about him on this podcast? But I just want to throw it out there that Aiden Hutchinson is fucking good at good at football. Man, good at football. <laughs> um, and Michigan might be good too. Uh, their their five star quarterback came off the bench uh, in that, uh, in that blowout against Indiana and look pretty good too. So Cade McNamara might have, uh, to look over his shoulder, uh, and that running back that they got pretty good too. I got, he's a, he's a freshman as well. Uh, um, so yeah, you know, they, they, they might actually have a good team there in Michigan, which is weird. it will be, I, I hope they beat Ohio state. I hope they beat Ohio state. I don't really like, I don't like either program very much, but I always root for Michigan and Michigan Ohio state games. I, I
0: tend to be a little down on the Big Ten just in general. I don't think um Penn State's legit uh, this Yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah, find out.
1: It's a big and I am sorry, I, I was legit too. So that, that that's the game of the week, and we're gonna talk about that in, in 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 due time. But uh I mean actually let's let's jump into it because some of the, the last few players that I wanted to talk about were already uh I, are, are part of the preview for some of these weeks' bigs game, biggest games, uh, and we've kind of already talked about the Buffalo Bills' positions of need. I mean, I guess we can spend a couple more minutes talking about it. But Spencer Brown kicked over to right tackle, looked really good, really freaking good, and that's just one of those things where you drafted a toolsy, physical prospect thinking it would take him a year to develop, and he just developed quicker than you thought, and you couldn't keep him off the field. And that's what I love about this Buffalo Bills team. If you're good enough, you're getting on that football field because this is a team in a win now mode. But you look at this Buffalo Bills team. The rest of the year, it's gonna be crossing your fingers and hoping somebody clicks at guard. I am am Butker, Ford, Williams. Yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing. And that's why, again, I will be scouting offensive line until I'm blue in the interior offensive line until I'm blue in the face. That and cornerback are gonna be my two big things. And wide receiver might jump tight end. Even though we're so thin at tight end, every time Tommy Sweeney comes on the football field, I get, I get a rage. I, I kind of wonder what your thoughts are on this. So. You know, I talked about on the air raid hour. I was like, listen, no offense to Tommy Sweeney, no offense to Reggie Gilliam, and I understand that you need to be multiple and you need to give defense different looks and everything, but we should never at any time point in time have Dawson Knox, Tommy Sweeney, and Devin Singletary or and a running or, and Reggie Gilliam on the football field. That's plus the running back, that leaves you with one wide receiver. We have too many good receivers to have one wide receiver on the football field. If it's Dawson Knox, Tommy Sweeney, and a little bit of 12 personnel with a running back and two receivers, okay. If it's Dawson Knox and Reggie Gilliam and a running back with two wide receivers, okay, I can buy it. But we just look so uncomfortable when we bring out these big, heavy packages with Tommy Sweeney and Reggie Gilliam, and we're just not ourselves. And What's the point if we're just going to be running? We, this is a, a team that needs to spread them out. Our interior our line is so bad. Why are we bringing all the big fat guys in? Why are we giving them an opportunity to bring linebackers out? I just, I don't get it. What What are your thoughts on it?
0: Well, I mean, what did we talk about the other day? We talked about, you know, wanting to needing them to just be yourself, mm-hmm. you know, running, running heavy jumbo sets. That's not the 2021, 2022 Buffalo bills football team. That's not who we are. Yeah. Period. End of story. You know, you, you do it for goal line. You might do it every once in a while to, to switch it up, but you know, it's, it's 11 personnel till I die all day long. You know, it's, it's what gets you the most, you know, positive matchups. It's what gives you the best opportunity to open things up and score points. And it's what allowed, it's what allowed allows Josh to be the best version of himself out on the football field. So I don't get the heavy stuff either. Um, I think, you know, uh, Sal said it best about Sweeney um, when he said, you know, he's a guy that does everything pretty well. But he's not a guy that you point at and say, wow, he's really great at any particular thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so and and with Dawson Knox emerging this year so far, again, we're about a quarter way through the season, so there's a long way to go. But, you know, if he continues to emerge this way and you're looking at getting a solid tight end, too, it's a good mm-hmm. problem to have. And I think there's a lot of guys that can fit that mold. I think my guy Kohler can yeah. fit
1: that mold. And- and that's just what I want to say. Like this could change next year. This conversation could change next year because if you get a better TE two, a more multiple TE two, a guy you can go out there and run routes like Dawson Knox and also block like Dawson Knox, then you can run that twelve personnel, and it shouldn't be an issue. A guy that I really liked last week watching the ASU UCLA game, Greg Dolcich, is really really good tight end uh, out there. At UCLA, six foot five, two hundred fifty five, two hundred fifty pound, former walk on, former wide receiver, switched to tight end. Trip Kelly says reminds him of Zach Ertz. And we all know how much Buffalo people in Buffalo feel about Zach Ertz. Go back and watch the highlights of that ASU UCLA game. Greg Dolceus, man. He just down the field, he makes plays. And he's definitely a tight end that should be in the Buffalo Bills radar, just like Charlie Kohler, just like Austin Stogner when we talk about Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on at tight end. Um, I'll you know, tell you no. what
0: I like in a tight end. Mm-hmm. I like tight ends that can get yak. Yak yep. and rack.
1: That's Dolce. You know, That's Dolcich.
0: Yeah, uh you know, Zach Ertz, the reason why I was so down on him all off-season is cuz mm-hmm. if you look at his his yards after catch numbers, they're pitiful. You know, were they better catch-
1: were they were they better earlier in his career? Had they just but, recently become pitiful?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they were a little bit better if I remember right earlier, but the last couple of years they've been they've gone downhill a lot. So mm-hmm. he's basically just a catch and fall type guy, you know, and to me it just didn't offer anything to add a dynamic to the offense that we didn't already have. If you want a guy that's going to catch and fall, we have Tommy Sweeney for that. Yeah. You know, we, I mean, he's not going to run away from everybody. So it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, so I prefer my preference as far as a tight end one or two, which is why I was so happy to see Dawson Knox's touchdown this past week was that he got some of that, some of that yak, mm-hmm. you know, that run after catch yards after catch. So that's what I look for. And that's why I like a guy like Kohler. Cause he is a guy that can go right down a seam and catch it outside of his frame and run. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so we got a, a a couple of games here uh, on the docket to preview this week. The weekday games are kind of just there. There's some, yeah, to these weekday games. We got Houston at Tulane. Uh, there's a player for Houston that I've had my eye on Logan Hall. He's a 265 pound defensive tackle, a guy who shifts between edge and tackle plays a little bit of both. Kind of wreaks some havoc for their defense. A lot of people are comparing his rise this year and the disruption that he provides along the defensive line in multiple positions to a guy who rose to the first round last year in Peyton Turner. And then you have Coastal Carolina, who is at Arkansas State on Thursday. And Coastal Carolina is an interesting football team. Number one, they're an interesting football team just because of you know who their coach is. He could be the next head coach at the University of uh Southern California. And he runs this uh this offense it's kind of like the navy offense what are they what's that offense at navy where they they do a lot of pitches and stuff uh it's what's that offense called
0: so you're talking about the wing or
1: so they run a version of the triple option at coastal but it's out of the spread and they still pass the ball a ton and it's just this crazy innovative offense that their head coach jamie chadwell is running there he's in the running to be the head coach at usc he's one of the names that have been mentioned but their wide receiver or their tight end isaiah likely is a guy to keep an eye on. So if you're just like perusing through the game and you see Coastal Carolina on offense, first of all, they're just fun. Uh their tight end, their tight end, um, Isaiah Likely and their wide receiver Cameron Brown are both guys uh who have shown up on some uh scouting reports. And then their quarterback, Grayson McCall, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's probably gonna ride out his time in college and enjoy his time there uh for a good football team. But he's a guy who's been getting some NFL looks too. So uh, Coastal's got some interesting players and then I know on Friday you want to talk a little bit about this Cincinnati temple game, correct?
0: Yeah, Cincinnati temple was the the big game that we have for Friday. Um, I was gonna just kind of briefly talk about that coastal game on Thursday because it's like mm. coastal is number 15 in the country yeah um, for little for little old coastal Carolina down there in Conway that's a that's a pretty big deal. so but uh yeah, Cincinnati temple um, Friday, I believe that one is like what seven o'clock or seven thirty and yeah. go back here. Yeah, seven o'clock. Um, you know, Ahmad Bradshaw, Sauce or Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner takes away half the field. Um, it's it's a beautiful thing to watch if you're a fan of watching like lockdown corners. You know, I, I it's like watching. It's just like with Jordan Davis when you watch him wrecking. You know, interior offensive line. This guy watching him take away half a field, and when they do throw at him, like when Notre Dame did throw at him this past week, what happened? You know, he he catches the quarterback's eyes, breaks back towards it, interception, done. You know, and he just he's, he's a, such a fluid athlete. He's he's great in every facet, and I just enjoy watching him. So it's a big game, and then of course, if you're if you want to see the quarterback, Desmond yeah. Ritter. I mean,
1: I'm. I'll tell you what, their running back Jerome Ford, the Alabama transfer. I mm-hmm. mean, he looks like he could be a guy to play in the National Football League. They have their tight end Josh Wiley, who's sort of a move tight end. He's got to keep an eye on. I mentioned Alec Pierce, uh, Michael Young Jr. I mean, they have some decent players on that offense too, outside of just Desmond Ritter. And then the defense, I mean, we don't talk about it as much because we don't really need an edge, even though edge might be somewhat of a need if Addison and Hughes are gone and we're left with just Appanessa and Rousseau and Basham. Like we could look at an edge, but I doubt we take another edge in the first round, but who knows? Makai Sanders is a guy who, or Majai Sanders is a guy who is a first or second round edge rusher out of Cincinnati. And, And I mentioned him before, Kobe Bryant. I'm really impressed with Kobe Bryant, uh, that uh, cornerback. So just all eyes, all eyes on Cincinnati. And then Friday night, Pac-12 after dark, 7.30 for me, 10.30 for all you other folk. Uh, Arizona State versus Stanford. I want to see Tanner McKee, the quarterback from Stanford, who is rising up draft boards. Um, Pocket passer, kind of in the mold of a Davis Mills, but you have uh, a team in Arizona State with two corners in Jack Jones and Chase Lucas who are NFL quality caliber prospecty corners I don't want to say that either of these two guys are going to be day 1 or day 2 picks Chase Lucas probably used to be back in the day but you know the, what I like to tell people now is Chase Lucas is a dime corner he's going to be your, he could be a number 4 corner who's got kick punt return flex so watching Chase Lucas go up against a cornerback like or a, a quarterback and Tanner McKee who can throw the football, that's interesting to watch. And then you have Jack Jones, another guy who's been, been there, done that uh throughout his college career, but he's on the smaller side at five foot nine, 180 pounds. Uh we'll probably have to move inside to nickel when he gets to the National Football League. Watching Lucas and watching Jack Jones go up against Tanner McKee will be super interesting. Obviously the, the big guys in the middle of that defense in uh Lowell and Davidson, I believe Lowell is out for the year, but they still have Davidson for ASU. Um, I mean, they're and, and they have some other players at ASU that are obviously prospects to watch as well. Ricky Pierce to me,
0: hearing that says day three. Yeah. Those two those two corners, like to oh, me. 100 percent Yeah, that they, they both that both seems like day three, mm-hmm. you know, middle to late day three guys that have potential to, you know kind of get groomed into starting spots yeah. in year two or three of their rookie deals.
1: Yeah. I mean, and speaking of interior off the line, Donovan West is a yep, a day two prospect at Arizona State. He's the center number 61. And uh this is a guy who's caught my eyes for a few weeks now. Last week I spent some time talking about Johnny Wilson as a possible Darren Waller type. Ricky Pearsall, uh the junior wide receiver from ASU, uh former walk-on has risen his way up the uh the roster. I got some massive Adam Thielen vibes from him last weekend. He caught two pretty long touchdowns from Jaden Daniel. One was he made it a long touchdown. He caught a screen pass, took it to the house. And the other, he, um, against zero zero coverage, beat the corner and and got a touchdown. But it was Ricky Pearsall is a guy for Arizona State. When Arizona State's on offense, they're fun to watch. First of all, Rashad White and uh, DeMontre Trainum, two really good running backs to watch. Trainum is only a true sophomore. To me, he's the better of the two, and he's going to be a guy who's going to be drafted relatively high uh, in a couple of years. They got Curtis Hodges, the tight end, Jaden Daniels, who's going to be a middle round draft prospect whenever he decides to come out. Johnny Wilson, Ricky Pearsall, like they got some dudes on that Arizona State team. That maybe it's just because I know them better than other teams, but they're a rather interesting bunch. And then on defense, they also have Darian Butler and they have Merlin Robertson uh, along that defensive line. Uh, They they play; they're probably going to be thirty four linebackers, but. There's just some dudes on that Arizona State team that are fun to watch. But um, at the end of the day, for the most part, they're all middle round draft picks. None of them are really truly are than maybe Donovan West. And as I mentioned, train them in a couple of years, going to rise to the point where they are early round uh, draft picks. And that brings us to Saturday. Saturday is where most of the action is going to happen. What are some I mean, should we just lead off with the Red River shootout? Is that is that just where we lead off? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's the, that's the big one to get started with. There's going to be prospects on both sides of the, both sides of the field, both sides of the ball, you know, um, probably too many to go through individually, but I mean, as far as Oklahoma versus Texas, I mean, you're talking about slew of of four and five star guys that are all going to be draft eligible Mm -hmm. at multiple different positions. And, you know, it's going to be an intense game amongst two ranked opponents. It should be a great game.
1: I'm looking forward to Jordan Thompson, the Texas corner versus Spencer Rattler and some of these, Oklahoma receivers like I said I, I understand they haven't been perfect this year but they're still probably better than anything Jordan Thompson has faced this year so Jordan Thompson who ranks very highly has graded very highly on uh, PFF this year not as high on some other draft boards as he is on the pro football focus draft board Jordan Thompson the corner from Texas is a guy I'm going to keep my eye on against those receivers a guy we never talk about in this podcast who's going to be like a top 15 pick is Nick Benito from Oklahoma I mean the guy's a 3-4 outside linebacker that's why we don't talk about him but I mean one of the best pass rushers in college football but Uh, I got Austin Stogner, the tight end. Always keep my eye on him. Massively underutilized there. Uh, Perrion Winfrey, the defensive tackle, and Marquise Hayes, the left guard. Um, Matt Miller had him in his top 10 interior offensive lineman. Uh, Big board that came out this week. So uh, those are some other names to keep an eye on. The other noon game that I have my eye on is um, the Battle of Losers. Arkansas at Ole Miss. Uh, the teams that got curb stomped by the big boys last week on ESPN, it should still be a good game to see how Matt Corral and Jerry on Ely and Demario Drummond and that Oklahoma state or that Oklahoma state, that Ole Miss offense responds against, you know, Ridgeway and Trey Williams and Jalen Catalan and that Arkansas defense. Uh, and obviously you get your um, Trey Williams is a guy we didn't really talk about six foot five, 255 pound edge rusher transfer from Missouri. He had a day against Texas A&M. Uh, beat carry on green around the corner a couple of times he's an edge a middle round edge prospect we keep an eye on but uh yeah arkansas's got some dudes too and Ole Miss has got some dudes
0: yeah i like ridgeway for arkansas as a as kind of mm-hmm. like a backup plan for jordan davis um but yeah i mean that's a again you're talking about two closer ranked opponents um you're gonna battle of the people trying to get off the schneid so to speak you know they both came up real short last week in nationally televised games and they're gonna be trying to Mm -hmm. kind of reassert themselves amongst that crowded sec west you know they're both in the west behind behind bama and then you got auburn and and, uh, lsu in there too even though lsu is kind of having a down year but Mm -hmm. um it should be a fun game again if you're if you're not watching these games for the prospects Mm -hmm. you're just watching them for a good matchup that's a good that's probably gonna be a fun one to watch yeah uh
1: 330 i got georgia at auburn i mean we've already mentioned wyatt davis and Jordan Davis. I've been saying his name wrong this entire time. It's not Wyatt Davis. That would be the uh, Oregon guy. Uh, it's it. I just said his name wrong for the first time. It's uh, Devonte Wyatt. Sorry, I said his name wrong. I said, yeah. Wyatt, Davis, but uh, Devonte Wyatt and Jordan Davis there. Darion Kendrick, um, Jamari Slayer, who's playing left tackle, but he's going to kick inside in the pros, the running backs for Georgia. We haven't really talked about Zamir White and um, Cook. I like Cook as like a six or seventh round guy. Cook is a guy for Georgia who can catch the ball out the backfield. He's got a little bit of speed. Um, he's done some kick returning before in the past. Uh, I I don't mind. I, they're not the caliber of running backs that you're used to seeing coming out of Georgia. Uh, I'm not as high on white as some people are, but I like Cook as sort of a secondary running back there at Georgia. Uh, yep. and it'll be really interesting to see if JT Daniels plays because I know JT Daniels likes to work the ball <laughs> down the field and they got two corners there at Auburn and McCreary and Pritchett both playing under Derek Mason who's got those connections with I Obviously, think, Leslie Frazier.
0: I think Daniels is nursing an injury of some sort, if I remember. He's always it hurt.
1: right. Oh, it's uh, um, we we're using and picking
0: uh, George Pickin for Georgia as
1: well. Yeah, receiver. he's not gonna, yeah, he's so he tours ACL in the spring ball, and yeah. we're hoping to get him back for the college football playoff as well. Ah, okay, hearing. uh, but yeah, JT Daniel, it'll be interesting to see if he plays. I think it's oh, and got,
0: you got uh, your your boy Bo Nix playing for Auburn. I fucking hate Bo
1: Nicks. You see that touchdown he threw or that first down he picked up where he just like scrambled for like 60 yards back yeah. and forth, and back and forth. Yeah. Into, uh, just, they need to go to their backup. They're the, the transfer from LSU, that kid, but they they don't. They stick with Bo Nix anyway. Uh, Brian Harson, you'll learn. You'll learn, Brian Harson. 4 uh, p.m. is my game of the week. Penn State at Iowa. Obviously, Penn State's got some guys on that defense and Joey Porter Jr., DeCastro Fields at corner, Brisker, the safety. It's going to be really interesting to see them going up against. You know, Iowa's not the craziest passing team in the world, but um, you get to see them go up against uh, an offense that runs like an NFL offense there uh, at Iowa. And then you obviously got Jahan Dotson going up against this Iowa defense that Jack Campbell, Justin Jacobs, two linebackers who could be first, second, third round picks and Hankins and Moss, who I mentioned six interceptions this year, only allowed six first downs. Their coverage grades are absolutely off the charts going to pro football focus. So Hankins, Moss, Campbell, Jacobs—there's so many guys to watch in that Iowa defense. Not to mention Linderbaum, Sam Laporte, at the tight end, and Tyler Goodson, the running back on offense. I mean, there's just I lo- a ton of prospects to watch in this game.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Goodson. Um, I think he I think he fits well in the pros, and you know, specifically for Buffalo as that change of pace third down guy mm-hmm. that could that could end up getting more carries than originally intended. Um. I, I don't know about you, but I get the feeling with this Penn State Iowa game, like Iowa, even though they're ranked three over Penn State, is kind of getting the underdog vibe in this game. Like, yeah, they ha- like they have more to prove going into this game than Penn State does. Which
1: I wonder if it's the quarterback, because I mean, Clifford <sighs> is not the greatest quarterback in the world, but he's been there, done that, and he's beaten some big teams now. I yeah, I don't I don't know what it is. I can't really put my finger
0: on it. I think it's
1: and it's in Iowa.
0: I think it's because Iowa traditionally, I mean, as long as Kirk France has been there, you know, he's he's always had really good teams that never
1: quite
0: get over the hump, mm-hmm. you know. And it, if they beat Penn State, they still got to get by Michigan, you know, in that conference. Yeah. So I think it'll be, it's a, it's a bigger test for Iowa, even though they're ranked higher. And I think it'll be a fun game to watch. And it's fair warning to anybody out there that's looking for an exciting game. This could be a snoozer on the scoreboard. It could be a 13-10 okay. type game.
1: In in honor of uh Hunter Renfro having a big game uh against the LA Chargers in a loss. He had that massive hit on uh on that fake punt and then he had that touchdown catch. This is the White Receiver episode of of the BF Warren podcast. I've already mentioned I've already mentioned uh Pearsall, and I've already mentioned um I've already mentioned Pierce from uh Cincinnati but my boy former UB JUCO to UB iowa transfer charlie jones the slot receiver the speedy slot receiver kick returner punt returner for iowa he's a fun dude to watch and he makes a yeah. play here or there probably not, you, NFL, you know, probably not an nfl prospect but uh i think that i'm gonna make the prediction now that charlie jones does something notable in this game he makes well, a play a splash play
0: i'll tell you what you what you get with charlie Gones is just a is just a blue collar guy that'll bring his lunch pail to work every yeah, day and
1: 100%. you know he,
0: he brings his hard hat Deceptively and, uh, fast. I'm, deceptively yeah, fast. Yeah, deceptively fast. I'm trying to what other white guy stereotypes are there out there that you, they uh, use when they talk IQ, about it? High football IQ. Hi, high football yeah. IQ. Yeah, that's yeah. i like a... shifty. Yeah, sh- <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> shifty. Yeah. Like, shifty. I like they always break out the, the white guy stereotypes whenever they really talk about them. It's it's yeah. hilarious.
1: Um and then the night games, I mean Alabama, Texas, AM. I mentioned this before. I've never been on a college football game. I'm tempted to smash the uh, I'm tempted to smash a a bet in there for, uh, bury Alabama. Bury that,
0: Alabama. yeah. Alabama's Alabama's going to have that walking yeah. away. AM looks like a team that might have given
1: up. the uh, The
0: game, the game that I had at the seven thirty slot that I think, even though neither one is ranked, and you know it doesn't mean anything for the national picture, is Kentucky LSU.
1: Kentucky sixteen now. They're five and zero. They finally got their due beating Florida. Oh, are they? They're finally yeah, 16? They're sixteen. Okay, they're sixteen now, and they got some dudes. I mean, uh, what's Robinson? He's got that. What's his first name? Um, Wendell Robinson from Kentucky, mm-hmm. playmaker. You know who? Uh, you know, you mentioned demone Clark last week for LSU. I got my eye on Car- Cardell Float, their slot corner at LSU. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who's the number one graded nickel cornerback on Pro Football Focus. He's had seventeen targets this year in the slot. He's allowed two first downs. He's had two de- pass deflections and seven stops. Um, you know, he's a slot corner, he's a junior for LSU. He's got good play recognition, good feel. Cardell Float is a guy who could um be a- another middle round guy. Buffalo could be in the market for a slot corner if they are. Between Kobe Bryant, Cardell Float, and Bennett Jackson, um, Taiwan Mullen from Indiana. I'm starting to fall in love with some of these nickel corner prospects, and there are some good ones out there. Um you know, Tywan Mullen from Indiana, not to get off the LSU talk here. I'm getting Mike Hilton vibes from Taiwan Mullen from Indiana. Uh the more I the more I am looking into Taiwan Mullen, the more I'm getting Mike Hilton vibes. So really like him as a slot corner. But obviously, this is about LSU. Cardo Flott's a guy I'm gonna have my name on, uh my eye on in that game for sure. Going up against a legitimate quarterback prospect in Will Levin.
0: Yeah, Levin, um Kentucky's running back is having a good little run here. I think Rodriguez. Rodriguez, yep. Yeah, he's good. Of course, you got Kennard over there. Um, I thought, I you know, watching him against Florida, I thought he did a great job mm-hmm. um, out there against Florida. So I'll be excited to see him continue to play the top-level competition that you get in the SEC week in and week out.
1: Speaking of nickel corners, uh, I have another nickel corner that I'm falling in love with. 730 Michigan-Nebraska. and I might actually watch a Michigan game um, willingly this year. I usually avoid Michigan games because they're so boring. Um, and, but this Michigan, Nebraska team, this Nebraska team is feisty. They're not good, but they're feisty. Uh, and Jojo Doman from Nebraska, six foot one, 230 pounds. He's listed as a linebacker, but he plays nickel corner six foot one, two thirty. Jojo Doman from Nebraska. Most of his snaps this year have come as a nickel cornerback. Hmm. Uh, so he's a dude that I'm going to keep my eye on in that Michigan, Nebraska game. Uh, Jojo Doman, uh, who knows that, that could be a, a piece that a guy like Sean McDermott might want to play around with. Do you um, do you special have teams, a guy who could drop back into coverage, et cetera.
0: Do you have his numbers as far as like any sort of, any sort of um, relevant workout numbers as far as like splits cone 40, anything uh, like that?
1: Let me pull up his, his thing here. I don't have anything too crazy on him, but um, I, I do have like his, his seasonal statistics. Again, he's listed as a linebacker. I'm not 100 percent sure too sure what his statistics would look like. Obviously, most of these guys you rely on their high school testing numbers until they get to the combine and such. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, 6'1, 230. He's got 26 tackles this year through uh through six games, two sacks, two forced fumbles, and interceptions. So uh he's filling up the snap sheet there at Nebraska. Let me see if I can get some workout numbers for him. Um let's see if I can get a 40 time. That's usually the easiest thing to pull up. According to NFL Draft Scout, and again, doesn't have the craziest. He's, he, he's going to run about a 4 five forty. 40 Okay. So too bad for a guy who's 6'1", 230. Um, I mean, you're talking about somebody oh, in the Milano go. range. Here we go. Nebraska releases performance and strength numbers. Let me pull this up real quick. Uh, let me control F. Jojo Doman. Um, vertical jump. He's got 36.5 at... 240 pounds now. 237 pounds. Uh let's see what else we got here. Um we got his uh 10 yard split at a 1.6. And we got his vertical, and we got his pro agility drill at a 3.97. So hmm. It was, it's up there with some of the wide receivers uh, that they have there at Nebraska some of the safeties that they have some of the corners that they have. Uh, so it's right around there, but so it's, it's their decent numbers. Nothing that breaks the uh, the mold there, but some decent splits and some decent agility numbers there for Jojo Doman. Just a guy I'm going to keep my eye on in that Michigan Nebraska game when I watch it on Saturday night. But that's about it. Uh, if you're into the pac 12 after dark, they got Arizona and UCLA. And like I said, I really like, uh, their quarterback there at UCLA, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. He gives me Tyrod Taylor vibes. Uh, not afraid to sling it down the field. Uh, not afraid to run it. He, he looks like Tyrod did in college, which means that there's something to work with there. Uh, and his numbers in college are relatively similar to the numbers that Tyrod put up in college. So something to work out there, both around six foot, six foot one, 205 pounds, 210 pounds, uh, and then greg dolcich and sean ryan on that offense are two guys to keep an eye out for the tight end and then the left tackle he got called for two mm-hmm. penalties in the asu game probably why he's gonna be kicking inside the guard he has a little trouble with that speed off the edge there at left tackle for ucla but you know the good thing about thompson robinson
0: is that he's had a wonderful example throughout his life of what not to be <laughs> so he's i mean the the kid he backed up rosen in high school yeah and then or no was it no, he would write up Tate Martell in high school. Yes, and, then and Rosen, Rosen the first year or two in college. Yeah, and he he's gotten to see, you know, what it is that I shouldn't do to yeah.
1: be <laughs> to be successful. I I, re, I remember that like um I you know I, uh, I I who cares if no one's listening to this? I'm not. I wasn't a big I wasn't the biggest fan of uh, the last boss I had at my job, and you know I'm training to be the person in that position. And, uh, as you're training, you have to like shadow your current boss. And I was just like, ah, I don't know if I want to shadow this person. I, you know, I don't really agree with them. I, I don't think they're good at their job, et cetera, et cetera. And my, uh, you know, my, my, my advisor turned to me and goes, sometimes you just watch them and do the exact opposite. <laughs> like you just, sometimes yeah. you just see, I, sometimes it's, it's just as beneficial to see what you don't want to be as to see who you want to be. Uh, so, uh, yeah, maybe Dorian Thompson, there's something about that that'll make him, Uh, successful in the pros plus i mean we want to rip on chip kelly but he still has called plays in the national football league and has put guys into the national football league so uh, a guy like chip kelly isn't the worst uh, college coach to play for in terms of preparing yourself for the national football league all right so it's been over an hour we've broken down a lot of football games we've had a lot of good conversations about some of the various different positions the buffalo bills need any final thoughts before we head out here
0: no, I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's a nice slate of games this week, but it's not too heavy like it was last week, where you have to constantly flip around and go back and watch a bunch of games. But I think there's a lot of good matchups this week, a lot of fun games, and uh, it'll give us a lot to talk about um, uh, next week and kind of continue the conversation as where the Bills will be heading uh, come uh, come draft time.
1: All right. Until next time, go Bills. Go Bills.